0: Welcome back to Challenges of Faith radio program. My name is Gary McCants, producer and host. I'd like to acknowledge our listeners on Spotify, iHeart, and TuneIn Radio, Amazon, Apple, Google, and more. Tuning in from Baltimore, Chicago, San Francisco, the nation's capital, Dallas, Texas, Long Island, New York, Powder Springs, and Buckhead, Georgia. Charlotte, North Carolina, Phoenix, Arizona, Columbus, Cincinnati, and Dublin, Ohio, and more. Sorry I didn't get a chance to get to you all, but we thank you for joining our guest today. Valerie L. Hall is an expert, an HR expert at that, TEDx speaker, DEI ambassador, trainer, coach, connector, and social justice advocate, and much more. Valerie, welcome to Challenges of Faith radio program.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: First and foremost, how are you and your loved ones?
1: I'm doing great. Um, My loved ones are doing fine as well. Uh, Woke up to the first time seeing snow in 2021 today, but uh, I didn't know how to feel about that. But otherwise,
0: (laughs) everything is good. All right. Valerie, what were your aspirations while growing up?
1: Honestly, I wanted to be a singer or an actress. Mm -hmm. I wanted to work Mm -hmm. in performing arts in some fashion.
0: Well, you know, before you get off the uh, program, you never know, a listener may have a request or two. They may want you to sing a song, hear those vocal cords.
1: Uh, No, I'll pass on that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Valerie, why did you pursue and obtain your B.S. in social psychology?
1: Um, So right after high school, it was always um, an expectation that I'd go to college, and I went to college immediately afterwards, but I did not attend the school that I wanted to attend, nor was I given the opportunity to select my own major? So my parents, who were not um, college educated, they it was their aspiration to ensure that I had a college degree, you know, to increase my options in life, and um, they pushed me to go to college. I wanted to go to Spelman University, Spelman College at that time, um, in Atlanta, and Um, because I lived in Ohio and was born and raised in Ohio. um, That did not go over well with my mother. She felt that that was just too far away. So I went to a school that was (laughs) nearby, a very nice uh, private school, very good school, actually, Denison University. But I just wasn't comfortable there, and they wanted me to uh, major in economics because my mom thought, that that was um, going to ensure the best possibilities for me. But I wasn't good with numbers, and I hated numbers. And so here I was going to a school I did not want to be at, studying something I wasn't interested in, and I eventually um, dropped out of college. And it wasn't until a few years later when I returned, Um, by the time I returned I was engaged to be married, My husband at the time, he had a master's degree. And I looked up to him, and he pretty much um, wanted to know why it was that I dropped out and, you know, what, where did I lose interest. And what he explained to me at that time was that, you know, very few majors have a concentration in anything. Like um, if you were to study business, It doesn't necessarily mean that you could run a business. Um, It's very generalized. You know, he suggested studying something that would be more concentrated um, and something that would relate to what it was I wanted to do. And at the time, I knew I wanted to be a trainer. I at least come to that conclusion. But a lot of doors were being closed um, because I didn't have a degree. And so when I started to think about, okay, what can make me the best trainer possible, Um, Maybe if I studied um, uh, human behavior and had a better understanding of that, then maybe I could persuade people, motivate people, uh, develop people um, in the way that I hope to. So as I looked at different um, majors, I looked at social psychology as being one, and um, it it just made sense to me at that point. So that's why I studied social psychology.
0: Excuse me. All right. Let's see now. So listeners, we're going to unpack that because there's somebody out there that has the same aspirations, maybe took the same sojourn or will be. So Valerie started off wanting to use her vocal cords and, of course, um, uh, out there in the the acting world at the same time um, with the Desire. And, of course, uh, her beloved parents, and as she indicated, the beloved mom wanted her to um, uh, continue on the boat from from an educational standpoint. And though they may not have had a collegiate degree, they had sanctified common sense that's gotten a lot of Mm -hmm. people a long way. And then all of a sudden, as she continued her sojourn, You know, she wanted to get into the head knowledge of individuals at the same time. And as you so heard her share as relates to uh, the individual who was her husband that was in her life, got her to thinking, pondering about her own sojourn from the collegiate standpoint. But as you also heard Mm -hmm. her share as relates to the private college and the fact that her beloved mom wanted her to, going to the financial standpoint, you know, because you got to look toward the future, and there's nothing wrong with that from the moolah standpoint, understanding how it all works, and then how it all applies to your own life. Valerie, you continue your education, sojourn, and obtain your master's. Why human resources management?
1: Well, because, um, so it probably goes back a little further. I knew that I wanted to be a motivational speaker and trainer. And so when I thought about what studies would help me achieve those dreams um, or where would I get the most practice or where could I utilize those skills best, it just made sense to study something in the area of human resources. Um, After I finished my degree, I was 35 when I finished my bachelor's degree, and I had a fire burning, and so I immediately jumped into a um, master, what, MSA in leadership at Central Michigan. I did not finish that degree um, because I actually uh, took on a job with DeVry University, And while I was working there as a student success coach, I was offered the opportunity to attend uh, Keller Management School or Keller Graduate School of Management, Um, and I decided, well, let me utilize this opportunity to get a free degree, Um, and so I transferred my credits over uh, as much as I could, and I finished up there, and I ended up studying uh, human resources management, and knew that my focal point would be uh you know, training and development, so that's why um, i achieved, you know went to achieve that that degree
0: all right, so listeners again uh irrespective of the parents, she still was able to really um, um head toward uh, what they desired at the same time while achieving what she wanted. Remember Valerie was mm-hmm. talking about. Her desire was to motivate, and that's where we'll head in a little bit. And at the same time, she was able to obtain that degree from a free standpoint while achieving all that needed to be achieved while moving forward. But, Valerie, what were some of your challenges while studying to obtain both degrees?
1: Well, um, while I uh, was working on both my undergrad and my graduate degrees, I actually was a single mom. I'd gotten a divorce, so I was a single mother. I was working a full-time job and sometimes working a full-time job and a half. And then my son was very active. Um, We were both active in church. Uh, We were both Um, involved with his AAU basketball, and he had been playing probably basketball since fifth grade and traveling in the summers. And so I was really involved with the the basketball program that he was a part of Um, that helped me with finances because I didn't have to pay for his participation because I was doing, you know, paperwork for the program. So here I was managing um, my work life. Um, At times I was speaking and traveling um, around the state and uh, in the surrounding states as well, going to speak at high schools and colleges while also uh, trying to do my best to parent and then manage responsibilities of my son. So it was a lot to juggle at that time, but I was determined to do it.
0: All right. So motherhood, beloved son, still from that motivational standpoint. And at the same time, you know, having listened to uh, your husband at that time as relates to business and management and so forth, you're still headed toward that way. But you have a lot to juggle as a single mom. A lot of men, we don't understand that. Those ladies out there in your life got a lot going on while trying to move forward in their own life. So let's now turn towards your practical experience. Valerie, now it's time for the Work of world. As a result of all that gain head knowledge, you've been blessed to obtain a wealth of it. For the listeners, again, who are aspiring to pursue specific studies in school or employment-wise, would you take a moment and share your diverse and powerful roles that you've held? Leading up to now,
1: well, um, I mentioned that while I was um, while I was pursuing my master's degree at Keller Graduate School of Management, um, I was working full time um, at that time, it was a brand new role for the university. It was considered a, a student success coach. And uh, that required, you know, pretty much guiding and directing, advising students once they um, would come on board as a freshman at DeVry, and then you sort of walk them through the matriculation process. Um, From there, uh, around that time, my son was uh, leading up to uh, graduate from high school, so he was deciding that he wanted to go to college in California. Uh, his dad lived in California, and he decided he was going to run away from home. And I always tell people, well, when he decided he was going to run away from home, I decided I was going to run away, too. So I left at that point. Uh, when he moved to go to California, I uh, I went and joined cruise ships. And so I went to live and work on cruise ships for three years, Um during those three years, I worked for two different uh, cruise lines, Norwegian Cruise Line and Royal Caribbean, and um, I traveled to more than 30 countries. I stopped counting after 30, but I uh, spent most of my time in Europe and uh, the Caribbean. So that was a a, a huge uh, Pivotal point in my life Because it taught me a lot about training Up up until that time I was doing a lot of speaking And and training as I mentioned earlier Traveling to different high schools and colleges Um, By 2010 I had spoken to More than 100,000 students Across the country And I was Of the I was of the thinking that You know if you can successfully Train high school students and keep their full attention where you can hear a pin drop and have them laugh at your jokes and engage in your activities, then you, you're you great. I mean, then, then, there's nothing you can't do. There's no one you can't speak to. But I learned very quickly when I went to move um, and work on cruise ships that with the majority of staff on cruise ships being from other parts of the world, um, most often, more often than not, probably 90% of the time, uh, English was not the first language for those folks, so um, I had to learn to train in a different way. I had to be more innovative, and so I was the training and development manager for all of the crew on board the ships. I would train everyone from the captain to the cleaners, and uh, while in that role, um, I just learned so much about the world. Obviously, I was able to see a lot of the world, but I learned even more about other cultures by just working and talking to the people that uh, were in my classes, and that that experience was very impactful because you learn a lot about, um, while you're learning about others, quite often we're also learning a little something about our own uh, self, our values, our uh, discipline, our heritage, what we know and what we don't know, and how others take such pride in their own. So that was a huge, impactful uh, period in my life. And then if I were to fast forward a a little further, I came home from the cruise ship. I went to um, do a little work for the church that I'd grown up in. I did some contract work here and there. I also worked uh, one year on a contract with um, the Transit Authority, where they were changing all of their routes, and I did that. But I would say the next job after that, when I went to work for uh, Goodwill Columbus as the Organizational Learning and Development Lead, there I was responsible for all of the employee training and development, leadership development. And then I was also responsible for overseeing two professional boot camps uh trainings that we would host. Uh the boot camps were two weeks each um session and they were offered at two different places in our city uh to our community members who were looking to transform their lives, looking to uh, pursue a career, not just a job. And um they learned everything from soft skills to interviewing to writing a resume to the um to learning new digital skills, upskilling themselves there as well, learning about Google Classroom or Google Suite. And um, so we have them stretching themselves, um, really practicing so that they can nail an interview, and really giving them some direction on how their skills and their experience fit into what could become their career. And... um, so that was a great experience because not only were we teaching them these these tangible skills, really, and um, but we were also tapping into uh, who they were and how do they get to their purpose or their why. And so we helped people identify that, and when I tell you that was probably the most impactful opportunity in my career I've ever had was working with community members who were down on their luck, who who didn't believe in themselves, or who would look at the agenda for the next two weeks of a boot camp and say, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to do this because I don't know how to do these things. And it can be daunting to folks, but to watch folks come in hesitant, skeptical the first couple of days and turn into completely different people by the end of the two weeks and go on to be successful in their lives and pursuing their careers is um, a reward in and of itself. So that was beautiful. But then the pandemic hit and that changed how everybody was doing business. And, but in the midst of that, I've been uh, given the opportunity to apply my skills um, at volunteers of America, Ohio and Indiana, where I'm responsible for uh, engaged learning. So, I'm excited about all of the different things that I've had the uh, experience of doing and learning and developing new skills along the way. I think that I've been able to combine my passion with a actual cause, which in turn gives me um, my purpose. I think I'm 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 trying to fulfill it every day as much as possible, um, and I think God is okay with what I'm doing. So I think I'm in the right direction.
0: All right. Well, listeners, as you're hearing, um, Valerie is, in fact, doing just that, even from the aspirations while growing up. She's utilizing her voice. Her face is being seen by many around the globe. And you're talking about motivating. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment or two. But that's exactly what she's been doing. And again, for all the CEOs and politicians and individuals of diverse professions that's listening to the program, you know, when we think of HR, you know, what Valerie really just shared is the most important part of someone being in that role. Because if they're not touching the person where they're hurting while that person is attempting to do a job for you, then you might want to rethink, and that's just being real about who you have in that position because, again, if the person is coming to work and from the inside out they're not, you know, really thinking highly of themselves, then they're really not going to think highly of the work product and anything else. So you do have a role from that motivation standpoint. So that's they and the business can be successful at the same time. Valerie, let's turn to your specific specialties relating to global HR and training and development professional, facilitator and speaker, and much more. But before we do, you're also an independent contract speaker for the Monsters Making It Count programs. What is an independent contract speaker? And what did your role involve?
1: So that was the role that um, when I spoke of it, I'm no longer working with them because they don't exist anymore,
0: unfortunately. But it Mm -hmm. was a
1: wonderful um, program that was sponsored by Monster.com. We had at one time the largest speakers bureau in the country. Um, There were about 200-plus speakers. And we would travel the country going to different high schools and colleges, Um, talking to students about how to be successful in high school, how to uh, get into a college, select a college, um, get money to go to college, as well as choosing a major or career field. And so I did that for uh, about nine and a half years total. Um, At one point I was doing that part-time while working uh, as a student success coach. And... um, that was a very, that was the experience where I said I was in those high schools and they, those students really reared me up and make, and taught me to be the trainer that I am. But um, my growth growth and development didn't end there. It really did expand further when I went to work on ships, but, um, that is the, probably the platform that has taught me, um, the most about public speaking. And it was a very different high schools and meet so many different students. As I mentioned earlier, I've spoken to over a hundred thousand students um, during my tenure there and it was it was just an absolute pleasure.
0: All right. So listeners again, we're hearing the formation of a person known as Valerie L Halls. And we're sharing the totality for a reason. Because we start off in life one way and then it has this twist and turns, Some that we can control and some that we cannot. But it has an impact on self. You heard Valerie indicate as it relates to her beloved son, as it relates to him taking off, relocating, and she did as well. But you see her sojourn, she continued on irrespective of whatever was going on in her life. And I say that because now we want to, turn toward her other specialties, but we want to take a look at, well, not me, but you all who are listening, because I've already seen it. Valerie, (laughs) I watched a powerful presentation that you gave in 2020 on a TEDx talk to the audience. And for our listeners, which listeners, it's also in the show notes, how did the presentation change your life? Well, for many different reasons. Um,
1: the work that I was able to do um, with Goodwill Columbus allowed me to really find the courage to tell my own story of um, the trajectory of my career and how it changed, um, but how I was always on the path of doing what I, was, what I do today. Uh, even when I didn't always make the best decisions, I I do know that as part of my journey, it was lessons that I needed to learn. So I say all that to say that um, the TEDx talk that you are referencing um, was a talk that I did regarding reducing recidivism. And recidivism is the likelihood of someone who has committed a crime in the past to continue to reoffend. And those matters really stand out to me and impact um, my heart on so many levels. Um, One, because I've had the opportunity to meet and work with so many wonderful people who have simply just made some bad decisions, either because of... um, their their childhood experiences and the circumstances in which they grew up in, some because um, they were just influenced by the folks around them and the community that they were a part of, and some just did not have the best coping skills. Um, and while that was rewarding to get to know people who had made mistakes and who had... Um, overcome those mistakes, pay the price for those mistakes, um, I have the opportunities to help motivate them and redirect them to how they could utilize those, those skills of the past for promising opportunities, legitimate opportunities for their future. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason why it, it touched me so close to home is because I've been one of those people Uh, There was a time in my life when I made a very bad choice because I felt desperate and in need and I was killing myself working two jobs and going to two schools even at one time and raising a son and still not making enough money to to make sense of why I was living the way that I was living. But I was determined to give my son the best opportunities possible and um I didn't want to look like a failure to him or to anyone for that matter, and really fell into some really bad financial times. And a friend of mine who I shared my circumstance with offered me an opportunity to add my name to an insurance claim that was not my insurance claim. So in other words, she was uh, presenting me an opportunity to commit insurance fraud. And I turned it down immediately at first, but the as days went on and i more mail came in with more bills, my anxiety rose high, and I fell into fear, desperation, and made a dumb choice. Now, I have learned that every time in my life when I have felt fear and desperation, I don't make the best choices. But yet still, I decided to make a choice (laughs) in that state of mind. And because of that, I had to pay a price, Uh, not immediately, but uh, a few years later, I had to um, answer to that decision, and I was given probation and restitution, but it could have meant prison time, and the bottom line is that even though I didn't go to prison, my barriers to employment were very similar to someone who, who may have gone to prison. Um, just having something in your background alone, even if you've never been in trouble before, um, can still be a huge barrier to employment, which in turn uh, impacts your housing and your food and your health and your health care and your family stability. Um, so I, I had many rough patches along the way, um, but the work that I've been able to do and the people I've met mainly because my focus shifts when I made that bad decision, I wanted – so badly to work with people who were in similar situations as myself, and I happened to have a skill set to assist folks um, with, with writing resumes and interviewing skills and motivation, and so I, I decided to apply my direction to as many opportunities as possible to help folks that um, are just as involved. Um, people who have faced the justice system at some point and um, assist them with allowing them to pick up their lives and move on, so I spent a lot of time um, advocating for justice involved individuals uh, with into employers and um, hoping that employers will open their doors to folks who are able bodied smart um, with skill sets that that are just being underutilized and can make a difference in someone's uh, company.
0: And congratulations to you, and listeners. Again, um, every human on this planet falls down, and they have a right to get up. And again, when I come back to Valerie. It comes back to a person from the inside and in that powerful position from an HR standpoint on any company, whether small, middle, or or large. If the person that's occupying the position uh, does not understand or appreciate who the persons are that's coming before them to apply for a position so that they can pay forward, then you're doing – your company a disservice, and that potential applicant. Because, again, when you're hearing Valerie Sojourn, like many others out there, irrespective of where they are on the globe, there is someone with a similar Sojourn having mm-hmm. the right to fall down, getting up, with the judge being in a position to discern whether the person is doing crocodile tears, or in reality truly sorry for what they've done, and then allowing them to have another opportunity to be their best in life the way that they desire to be and others that surround them who knew that they could be that way as well, especially her parents and her son and those who truly care about her in her sojourn. Again, a few weeks ago you did it again. What topic did you present and any new lessons learned?
1: I actually, I wasn't a speaker at this last mm-hmm. um, event. I was actually uh, one of the board members of the planning mm-hmm. committee and was responsible as um, chair of the interactive partners committee uh, mm-hmm. to invite folks who would come in uh, to our TEDx event. And offer some interactive activities, educational activities, or just stress relievers and fun relievers um, in between our events. Typically, at a TEDx Mm -hmm. event, there may be 10 or 12 speakers speaking that day. And with the pandemic, uh, we decided to go with a hybrid model event. And so um, part of that event was virtual, and part of it was in person. Um, Because of COVID, we decided to cut off in-person attendees at, like, 75, I think, was the cutoff. Uh, So we could only have 75 people in person. But we made sure we had a Caribbean food truck outside. Uh, We had upstairs, we had a chest. Up where people could go upstairs in between speakers and play chess. They could um, on the uh, using the digital photo booth, or they could take photos uh, and videos on the three hundred and sixty photo uh, machine. We had um, someone offering a paint party right there in person. Uh, we also had uh, a masseuse. That was giving some uh, on-the-spot chair massages that day. And then for those who, you know, maybe they just wanted to kick back and play a little game, they could play Connect Four or Uno or even Spades. So we had a whole game table there as well. So it was Mm -hmm. a great opportunity Mm -hmm. for people who were going to be there for four and five hours straight. Uh, to have a place to sort of, you know, wander off to get a breath of fresh air, get some food, and come back and enjoy more great speakers. Um, That was in person, but also virtually we were offering um, other activities as well. So everybody who attended wasn't attending in person. Some were watching and streaming the event from home or wherever they were. So if they Weren't interested in the current speaker Speaking at the time They could change the channel And go over and maybe hear a talk Of two judges talking about um, The political system and, and and becoming Jurors and being black folks Faced with the justice system Or you could listen to a Filmmaker talk to a film curator uh, For the uh, Black film festival here in the city um, Or you might Go and listen to a founding member of Glory Foods, um, the the company that created Glory Greens. Um, the female founder, you might be able to sit and watch her have a discussion with an up-and-coming entrepreneur in the city. So we wanted to give as much variety as possible. It was a lot to uh, keep your hands on and, keep you know, stay in tune with the pulse of the event, but there was a lot going on, but it was success nonetheless. It was really great, a great experience, and I'm glad to be a part of the TEDx family. But I do hope to do all a couple right. more. All right. Congratulations again.
0: <laughs> all right. And listeners, again, uh, even though uh, Valerie did not present, but look how God was and is working, allowing her to be a part of the decision-making of uh, who would. Because, again, you're talking about causing an impact, allowing somebody to understand they can be all they can be. And as Valerie was was talking and and, uh, and I was pondering back on some of the things she said, it reminded me when I was blessed with an opportunity working with the guy in the corporate world who at that time probably owned half the United States, and I remember him having banks and newspaper companies and all of that, but what was important to and for me, especially as I continue to listen to Valerie Sojourn, was that I remember when he took over a pharmaceutical company. And I remember I needed to grab some staff. And I thought to myself, what best staff could I get? And so what I did, I went out and found individuals, whether they were former military or homeless or whatever, and sat down with them, looked at their backgrounds and hired them, showed them how to get into the computer worlds, all those different world systems for a reason. So that they could know that irrespective of uh, falling down for whatever the reasons are, that they have a right to get back up. And they just needed to know that somebody cared enough. And it's similar to what you are sharing and, and what you are doing for those that surround you. And you are to be continuously commended for that. And again, valid congratulations. How can interested listeners invite you for potential contracts and or speaking engagements. Well you can always
1: email me at Valerie.Hawes.MHRM m h r m at gmail dot com. So again that's Valerie so B A L E R I E dot Hawes H A W E S dot M as in Mary H is in Harry R as in Ralph is and Mary, at gmail.com. Um, also, I can be found on Facebook, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Valerie L. Hawes, uh, full name spelled all the way out. And uh, feel free to contact me. I'm always um, looking for new opportunities to get in front of a new group of people. <laughs>
0: All right. And listeners, again, you can find Valerie's information in the show notes. Valerie, you co-authored a book, A Massive Dose Mm -hmm. of Motivational. What did it entail, and how can our listeners purchase it?
1: So the book was um, a collaborative um, effort. Uh, When I used to work with Monsters Making It Count program, um, one of my mentors there at the time um, was a, a gentleman by the name of Kevin Bracey. He was uh, a speaker who worked very closely with Les Brown and was a part of Les's, um, you know, core group of speakers that he would travel with, and he was putting together several book projects and What he uh, really pushed for us was the fact that, you know, whenever you're going to speak, you may want to have some sort of collateral material that you can sell um, and that people will remember you by. And So for many of us, it's thinking about writing a whole book was very daunting. Um, So his idea was, well, what if he found 12 contributors? um, And, that way was a 12 chapter book. And uh, we were all to speak on the same theme of um, motivation and how to get it. And really what I talked about mainly was uh, how I had to find myself and figure out a plan to stay centered when I was going through my divorce. Um, My ex-husband was very instrumental in getting me back into school and pursuing um, a career in the direction I was going, so I felt at the time but what I realized was that uh, he was a tool to help direct me in the in the air the way in which I should go but i I can survive without him and um, so I just sort of talk about some of the tips and tools that kind of got me through a very difficult time as I was trying to rediscover who I was as an individual. And um, the book can be purchased on Amazon, and it's called A Massive Dose of Motivation. So, yes, and you can probably type in my name, and it will pop up that way as well.
0: Again, listeners, uh, going back to the beginning as we started off the program, Remember, Valerie Wonder to her vocal cords. And at the same time, from an acting standpoint, and you see how through her sojourn leading up to now, that's exactly what she's been doing on behalf of the helpless, the hopeless, the hurting, the homeless, irrespective of what one's background happened to be, and been blessed. Go around the globe to all those diverse countries, meeting diverse individuals, teaching diverse individuals, so that all can help each other. Each other. Valerie, you have and are truly busy. You have a blog as well. What is the name of it? And would you expound on why you wrote two of the topics, God's Will, not mine, and when you and when life gives you lemons, make this strawberry lemonade. <laughs>
1: So, you know, years ago I started the blog, and I have not been very good at um, trying to put together uh, a plan for how this blog is going to show up. And honestly, I was very premature um, at the time that I set up the blog, which was years ago, getting used to the idea of telling people out loud that I had made such a horrible mistake in life. And I thought at that time that the blog would help me sort of get in front of my own story and uh, and stay in control of my own narrative of my life and <laughs> what just happened because people will use instances in your life to attack you. And I wanted to use the instances where I made those mistakes as learning opportunities that actually grew me up. Um, so I started off, I had a really good plan of starting off with, Writing a couple of blogs, but now um, I am I'm determined to get back on top of it. Uh, the first day of the year, I'm going to kick off that blog again, and it's going to talk a lot about all of the things and areas in which we can each grow to be better, um, better emotionally, spiritually, mentally, intellectually, physically, financially. All the ways in which we can be better. So I'm creating and reinventing that, that blog to become not just the Valerie L. Hoggs blog, but really the, the, um, the betterment zone. I want this to be the play come and maybe learn something that's going to feed their soul, feed their intellect, feed them in some way that hopefully changes their life and leads them to something better. Um, so that's what I'm hoping to do starting the beginning of the year. I also have a YouTube channel. Again, I'm i created one, uh, and I'm gonna kick it off pretty soon here. Um, but that YouTube channel is really called the V Lenore Show, um, V uh, dot Lenore Show. So L E N O R E. That is my middle name, and that I don't know. Is it was just something I wanted to uh, let this this new YouTube channel where I hope to interview a lot of folks sort of carry its own, have its own personality. So I think you'll see other aspects of who I am as Valerie, Um, not just the professional person and not just the person who's the advisor or the motivator or the storyteller, but maybe someone who likes to talk about lifestyle matters, um, who likes to talk a little bit about makeup and fashion and who loves to talk about celebrity news
0: and current events. So that's
1: what that show is going to be all about.
0: Valerie, during all of your various sojourns leading to the day and our final wrap-up last questions: what has challenged your faith, and how has God been there with and for you, and any final words for our listeners?
1: Oh, wow. That's a big question, Um, and I will try to make it as simple as possible, but this is what I will tell you. Um, There have been many times when my faith has been challenged. Uh, My faith was challenged when I went through a divorce um, after thinking that I had uh, married Prince Charming, but no one is really Prince Charming. So uh, my faith was tested there. Uh, My faith was tested when I lost my father to um, lung cancer that metastasized to his brain. Uh, I was 33, but I felt like I was three because I was such a daddy's girl, and I depended on my dad even probably more than I even realized until he became so ill, and eight months after his diagnosis, he um, passed away. And so my dad was my best friend. He was my... My playmate, he was my, my buddy, my road dog. We were really, really tight. He was my protector. And then he was gone. Uh, so my faith was really challenged there. It was challenged again. Um, obviously when I went through a really bad financial, uh, period in my life and thought that the only recourse was to break the law. Um, that is probably the lowest. Of lows uh, when you're when you are feeling so hopeless that you've forgotten that the God that uh, wakes you up every morning that has gotten you through some other tough times, probably times that were tougher than they were at that moment, I definitely had much tougher moments after that um, but obviously that's what comes with making bad choices. Um, there are consequences to making bad choices. So my faith was tested then, um, but what I saw more than anything – oh, and then my faith was tested one more time when my mother died in 2014. So I – and then, forgive me, but a couple years later I lost my sister. So I I have had so many losses. It's a lot – but I've also seen God's mercy in the midst of it, his grace and mercy. When I wasn't worthy of the goodness of waking up of a second chance and third chances and and the jobs that I have been blessed with and the opportunities to share my story with others and the platforms that have been extended to me, um, being on this show, being a, one of those platforms. Um So, his grace and mercy has is what continues to keep me um what I know for a fact is the only thing that got me through um because there were times when there was nobody there, there was nobody there but God, and um I am forever grateful and indebted to um, the privilege to be. In this world, telling these stories because it, it didn't have to work out this way. My hand, his hand was on me the entire, throughout the entire process. I could have easily gone to prison for 30 years. And, um, I'm here telling, uh, you this story from the comfort of my home. <laughs> so I know that his grace and mercy is with me at all times. And so I have an obligation to not only worship him and serve him, but my service for him has to be how it shows up um, in the community around me and how I can serve others. So.
0: Any final words for our listeners?
1: I just want to tell people um, that for one, no one is perfect and that we all make mistakes and that um, your mistakes should not define your future, and it only can define your future if you decide that that is uh, your new brand. Uh, If it's not who you are, if that's not who you want others to see you as, um, that's going to require some changes on your part and um as long as you are looking to God for the right direction you're you're going to be fine and he's going to protect you and keep you through it even through the toughest of times and i don't want anyone to ever be fooled by fear and don't let desperation creep into your hearts and minds because when we allow it in it comes to destroy and it can do so just like that um, I remember I used to be so embarrassed and just felt so shameful when I would have to go in and meet with my probation officer. And I've been blessed with even the probation officers that have been in my life when I was going through that process. Uh, and they would say, you know, everybody makes mistakes and that everyone is one mistake away from, finding themselves in a bad decision, in a bad situation, rather. And so I say that to say that, you know, if we extend empathy towards our brothers and sisters who um, have made bad choices but have paid their price to society and paid their debt to society and that they have truly shown that they're ready for change, we have an obligation to help them. I also want people to know that It's up to you to make the best decisions for your life. Your parents can't make it for you. You have to make it for you. And then you have to stand firm and and understand that even when things don't work out your way, you can always make a new decision. Um, And so when others make decisions for you, uh, they may have your best interests at heart, but they may not be making the best choices for you. Their intentions are good. But you have to be grown up enough to um, make decisions for yourself. And then, last but not least, I just want everyone to know that um, your life is what you make it. But we also have a responsibility to one another. And so, as long as we're each growing to be the best version of ourselves and offer ourselves up to our communities. To be of service to one another um, and to the generations to come, so that we lay out something, so that this world that we're in can be the world that we desire it to be. Um, I think that we all have to make sure that we're doing our best to contribute our most. That's all I have.
0: All right, that is powerful enough. So, listeners. Here we have Valerie L. Hall, global HR training and development professional and author. Valerie, thanks for taking the time out to come on Challenges of Faith radio program and share your powerful sojourn that I know that God's going to continue to use you to do it no matter where you go, no matter where he would have you to go, so that he's glorified, others are helped. And upbuilding at the same time that you keep soaring, as he intended for you to be and to do. When you started off, wanting to utilize those vocal cords, and so that your face can continually be seen around the globe, listeners. There was a um, person that every day would walk by a monastery on their way to the store. And as they walked by, they would look and see these monks looking like they were serene, all peaceful, happy, joyous. And so each time as the person continued back and forth from the store, one day they said, you know, I'm going to stop in, in inside that monastery and ask those monks, why are they so peaceful, happy, and joyous? And the person did, and they asked the monk that opened the door. The question, the monk said, well, every day we fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. And that's what Valerie is doing as she shows, not just tell, making sure that the lips are matching the shoes so that you, the listener, irrespective of where you are around the globe, will know you've fallen down. Now get up get up and move forward, lovingly take a walk around yourself, know what it's all about, and at the same time, remember, those with whom we spend our time with do determine our character. We're either going to be like them or they us. And that's what Valerie was sharing as relates to her sojourn. Thank you for tuning in to Challenges of Faith radio program. I'm Gary McCants. Thank you, Gary.